Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. appropriate today that this worship service ended the way it did. I think it I think it reaffirms what God is speaking to us today. If you could be seated today. We live in a loud world. Our world is filled with noise. From the moment that we wake up in the morning, our alarm clock going off, we hear noise constantly. There's an article in Time Magazine by Justin Zorn and Leah Mars. They're co-authors of the book, Golden, The Power of Silence in a World of Noise. And it says, it's not just your imagination. The world is literally louder right now than it's been at any time in known history. There are more cars, helicopters, buzzing drones, pinging gadgets, ringing hospital monitors, blaring TVs in waiting rooms, and constant conversation. Because emergency vehicles have to be loud enough to cut through Surrounding sounds, the decibels of their sirens are a useful measure of the loudness of our overall landscapes. Today's sirens are an estimated six times louder than they were a century ago. According to the National Park Service, Natural Sounds and and Night Skies Division, noise pollution doubles or triples every three decades. And there's a lot of negativity that's associated with noise. The body will excrete stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol that lead to changes in the, in the composition of our blood and our blood vessels, which actually have been shown to be stiffer after a single night of noise exposure. A broad set of peer-reviewed papers over the past few decades have shown risk that include cardiovascular disease, stroke, and depression, all associated with too much noise. There are qualities of quietness, such as a lowering of our blood pressure, improving concentration and focus, calming racing thoughts, stimulating brain growth, reducing cortisol, stimulating creativity, improving insomnia, encouraging mindfulness. These are all qualities that come with quiet. Why do we turn down our car stereo when we're looking for an address? You know, a lot of us uh, do it. We don't understand sometimes why we do it. Uh, and then sometimes people will even badger us for doing it and saying, why are you turning that down? That's, that has nothing to do with you focusing. But reach, researchers refer to this as cognitive load. Eliminating a distraction such as sound can help with concentration by reducing the cognitive load. 
That's because much like a computer, our brain's capacity to engage in multiple tasks is finite. Our brain is made up of three major parts, the cerebrum, the cerebellum, and the brain stem, which connects to the spinal cord, which makes up our central nervous system. In our cerebrum, is, uh, it covers our learning and our emotions, our reasoning, and our fine motor skills. Our cerebellum covers our muscle movement, our balance, and posture. And then the brain stem connecting all of these things together uh, takes care of our involuntary uh, motions like breath and heartbeat and swallowing deep cycles or sleep cycles and temperature control. These three areas of the brain working together. But once you're hunting for a street sign, uh, though, or gauging car links in a fast-moving uh, lane of traffic, all of the collecting and interpreting of data by the central nervous system reaches critical mass. The cognitive load we talked about earlier gets to be too great. Tr um, turning down the radio removes enough incoming data to make it easier to concentrate. A small study in Sweden uh, looked at, into this phenomenon several years ago. Researchers had each of 32 participants perform an easy visual task and a challenging visual task. They were also instructed to ignore the audio, a random sequence of sounds that was playing. The subsequent MRI test revealed that when participants concentrated on a visual task, there was a decrease in the responsiveness of the auditory nerves. Basically, the brain itself was was turning down the volume. How many of you today consider yourself a good multitasker? You feel good about your level of multitasking ability. As humans, we constantly overestimate our mental capacity. In the book Brain Rules by John Medina, he talks about the brain's inability to multitask. The brain handles tasks sequentially, yet it's able to switch from task to task so rapidly that we think we're multitasking. Not only is the brain incapable of multitasking, when we try to multitask, each goal competes for the brain's available resources. Multitasking creates a traffic jam, and in the end, we perform poorly on each task as a result. Multitasking increases our rate our error rate as much as 50%. And it doesn't speed things up either. Trying to multitask doubles the amount of time it takes to perform each of the tasks at hand. Which, when you introduce a third task, the brain's prefrontal cortex, which makes executive decisions, will discard the one it considers the least important. We aren't good multitaskers despite your uh, opinions of yourself. And that's okay. I may have mentioned this before in a sermon, but I wanted to talk about mindshare. People have many things vying for their attention. It's challenging occupying mindshare among a population that's inundated, inundated with options to occupy their mind. In the world of marketing, which is where I reside uh, for work, 
Working in marketing, I am literally trying to get people's attention constantly. Complex advertising systems are put in place to occupy a greater percentage of your mind share. This is why after you have visited a clothing retailer's website, and maybe you even went to the uh, extent of putting something in your cart, you will continue to get uh, ads and you will continue to get notifications, whether you've maybe signed up for text uh, marketing or something like that, you will continue to get that and to, to constantly compete for your, for your mind. And you will start to get a bombardment of ads, and this is not done on accident. This doesn't just happen because uh, it, you just happen to see it or, or whatever. I think whenever maybe we first started getting ads like that, we probably thought to ourselves, well, that's a coincidence. But I can tell you from experience today that these companies are trying to manipulate your decisions. I, I apologize in advance but I can manipulate you into making decisions. There are things on websites called pop-ups. And these pop-ups don't just happen by chance. These pop-ups are programmed to get your attention. They're also extremely effective. As much as we hate them and they're annoying and all of those things, there is a, a pop-up known or, or a, a, um, a, a way of creating a pop-up called exit intent. So when you move your mouse to go to the, click the exit button to get out of that tab, I can fire up a, a pop-up. These are the kinds of things that, that the world is doing to us to get our attention. And the noise becomes so much that we are so unfocused on everything that we need to focus on and it's, it's not even just spiritual things. It could be that I need to do the laundry and I need to, I need to cook dinner. I need to do all these things. I have a, a task list of things. And all I have to do is hear that ping of my phone, that notification that goes off. And all of a sudden, I am deeply absorbed into a deep search into social media. And so this is the world that we are living in. It is almost, it, it is completely unfair. It's completely unfair. And now today with everything, with the way that the world is getting um, where AI is, is, uh, is involved in, and on the scene now, I can, I've been using AI, testing it at work to say, come up with uh, a, a, a paragraph on such and such and it'll come up with it and it, it does all of that for you. And everything today can become automated and we become so good at, at at creating systems to make us even better than what we are. And, and all of these things exist in the world and it becomes so unfair to live in this world and to try to focus on Jesus, to try to focus on the mission that God has called us to do. All of these things because of those outside voices filling our heads, filling our minds. And I'm not here to talk to you today so much about uh, uh, just simply eliminating uh, the noise levels, the actual volume levels, although there are major benefits to that. I'm here to talk to you today about uh, reducing the amount of voices and things that are in your life competing for your attention. But you see, we should 
already know that we are not good multitaskers and that we sabotage our own decision-making daily because the Bible speaks of this type of fractured focus. In Matthew 6, 24 through 27, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or riches. And then in verse 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value, uh, of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Well, I sure wish that was the case. And then in verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This covers all of the stuff that we think about daily. What am I going to do? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I, how am I going to clothe my kids? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to do all of these things? There's so many things that I have to do, and I, I can't even process it. Well, no wonder. Our minds are filled with social media. Our minds are filled get it, receiving email notifications. Our minds are filled with all these things that are attacking us, bombarding us. Which, by the way, I will say, I am in a faith-based marketing company, so most of what I'm trying to get you to do is faith-based. <laughs> Except for that one insurance company we work for that got audited and dropped us. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so there's so many of these things that are constantly competing for our attention. And, and like I said, we are not good multitaskers. If you are focusing on one thing, you are not fully focusing on another. And I'm not here to say that you have to constantly be in a state of all, all in prayer, where you constantly have to be focused on this. No, God has, has created us to be, uh, to be relational to, as Brother Austin talked about, that we need to have conversation, that we need to build relationships. All of these things are part of our life, but this um, vying for our attention, this desire for us to have full, complete attention, that's why they've created, as you saw in the beginning, these uh, constant uh, 24-hour news cycles that constantly keep you engaged. There's accounts out there uh, that, that are titled Breaking News. It's the breaking news version of breaking news. It's, um, it, it's accounts that are, are set up and, and made to get your attention because this is what is happening right now. This is what's current. In the book of Isaiah, we see this conflict of allegiances. 
Isaiah tried to warn the Israelites to correct their ways or, they would, or there would be consequences. And there's constantly in the Bible this relationship of uh, if this, then this. If you do this, then this will happen. As I heard Austin speak about uh, earlier, if, if you do this, then I will do this for you. That's that covenant relationship that we're in. And so Isaiah, being the prophet of God, tried to uh, uh, warn them of all of their mistakes and the things they were doing and, and all of this stuff. And when faced with the threat of the Assyrians um, attacking them and, and coming in and possessing their land, Israel decided to make an allegiance with Egypt. Egypt being a type of the world and everything that is contrary to God. Isaiah 30, 1 through 3 says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord. This is Isaiah speaking on behalf of God. That take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth, to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Sometimes the comfort and the familiarity that we have with the world around us, or maybe even what we were used to, maybe we came out of, out of Egypt, maybe we came out of the world, and what has become so familiar to us becomes our, maybe our first reaction, if I could just do this, then this will happen. If I could just uh, take care of this, if I could just pay this off, if I could do all of that, then this will happen. But God is calling us to a place of relationship with him, and, and it's a place where, as, as we talked about, a covenant relationship, a place where God, if we do what he says to do, then these things will take place. Uh, you can see it all throughout the Old Testament uh, in Abraham's life and Isaac's life and all of these people's lives that, uh, yeah, they, they tried to follow God as much as they could, but they were human, they made mistakes, they did a lot of things wrong. And, and constantly having to redo things and go back and, and fix things that were made mistakes and, and all of that stuff. Uh, you can see that in the, in the uh, life of Abraham and his, his, uh, his first, what it was, his firstborn son. That he, he thought, well, maybe uh, this is the right way to do it. Maybe if I just do it this way, then uh, that will be the blessing, that will bring the blessings onto my life. But we know and we can see the, the fractured relationship that happened when Abraham made that decision. Brother fighting against brother. And that same thing is all throughout scripture, but Jesus doesn't just, um, you know, it's just not in the Bible that, that all these bad things are going to happen to you if, if you uh, do the wrong things, but it says in verse 18, and therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. To eliminate those distractions, all the noise, all of the, all of the things that are vying for our attention. And just simply place trust in Jesus. Because he knows what we need. We are the plan of God. As flawed and as broken as we are, as disobedient and disgraceful as we are, as imperfect and fallible as we are, we are the plan of God. 
We are his mouthpiece. I wish sometimes that God could just simply come and do it himself and he doesn't need us and he could just fix it on his own and all of that, but that's not the way his plan works. He plans to use us to do his work. He created us in the garden. He spoke, spoke. When Jesus speaks, things happen. When Jesus, uh, his words go forth, good things happen. As you can see in that first clip I showed, the, the constant 24-hour news cycle is not good things happening when people speak. It's a lot of chaos. It's a lot of confusion. And I specifically put Fox and CNN on there because they're both just as bad as the other. But that is what matters in the world. Your attention is valuable currency to people. It is what brings advertisement. It's what your eyes on their content brings the, the, uh, the funding that they need to keep going. And so we, being the plan of God, being his mouthpiece, being called to do his work as fallible as, fallible as we are and as, uh, as flawed as we are, Ecclesiastes says, in three, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 8, there's a time to every season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Maybe the Bible knew something about COVID before we did. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. God wants us to be in a place of waiting and quietness where we can hear his voice. But that isn't just the only thing that God is calling us to do to get rid of all the distractions, to hear his voice clearly. He's also calling us to go out into the world to make disciples. He's calling us to action. He's calling us to do things that go beyond ourselves. Moses could speak of this very well in Exodus 4, 10 through 11. It says, then Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said in verse 11, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with you. I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. That covenant relationship again. That we are not just here uh, to just listen and sit back while God does all the work for us, but we have been called to go and to do his work. It was through this moment of solitude in the wilderness 
It was that moment of quiet in the desert between Moses and God that one of the most pivotal moments in Israel's history is recorded. Out of this conversation, this quiet moment, this simple solitude with God, he received a calling to go and call the Israelites out of Egypt. And so that moment of quiet, that moment where he could hear, literally hear the voice of God, he not only, I, I, I wish that, that things were that easy, that this, uh, whatever it is, winter decor that we forgot to take down, that it would engulf in flames and that it would uh, speak to me or even speak to you and I don't even have to do all the work. I can just place the plant here and it speaks to you and does all the work, but that's not the way that God intended it. And if following God's plan weren't hard enough, our brains become overloaded with the sound of dissenting voices telling us things that are contrary to God's word. James, uh, James 3, verse 10 through 18, says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness or gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and, and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It's easy for us to regurgitate the information we've heard from other people. What's going on in your life right now? Well, let me tell you what happened to me and let me tell you how you can get out of this mess. You need to do this and this and this in order to, to deal with that situation that you're in. You need, I can give you a list. There's, you could Google it right now. There's a list of things you need to do right now to get through this mess. And what we internalize the news that we consume, the people that we listen to, the things that we hear, the things that we tell ourselves about ourselves, as Sister Burke talked about last week, the things that we tell ourselves about ourselves, just as Moses did, that I'm not good enough, I can't do it. They're all of these dissenting things that are speaking opposite of what the word of God is speaking will come out of your mouth. The Bible says that in Matthew 12.35, or 34 through 35, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
A good man ought to, uh, uh, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. And I can tell you right now that there are a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing out there that seem like they have all the answers. And I'm even talking about those that are maybe even in the, the um, let's call it a Christian or even a conservative sphere. Not all are godly. Not all are good. Not all have good intentions. Some are vain. Some are uh, obsessed with themselves and, and prideful and want to just be right all the time. That is not godly. And so you were not made to multitask. And God deserves and desires your attention. As I close today, there's one way to salvation. John 14, 1 through 6 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. We don't know and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. For every need in your life today, there is one solution. For every doubt that's entered into your mind today, there is one answer. It doesn't matter what every outside voice tries to tell you. It doesn't matter what every other thing says. Jesus is the way. We sang about it today. Jesus is the only way. If we could close our eyes right where we're at right now. Eliminate all distractions. There's plenty going on in our day after this. But right here in this moment, God wants to speak to us. And God wants to give us clear direction for our lives in the quiet. Can you sing this song with me? I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus in this place. And my soul does 
in this place. Can we sing that again? I feel Jesus. Can you feel him? I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus in this place. And my soul does burn within me. I feel Jesus in this place. We're going to sing that again, but if you could Come to this altar and give yourself completely to him right now. I feel Jesus.